Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Father John. Father M.L. Rapp. Here he is. Is that when you write your first children's Michael novel, Lawrence, are you going to be Rapp. are you going to be MLF Rap? No, I think it's gimmicky. You know my moniker. Yes. Sam L. Clemens. <laughs> Very no, clever. No, I don't know. And is it children's books? I don't know. I, children's books are... I, I li- just listened to an episode of Gregorian Rant. I feel like we're plugging them a lot. Um, and they were talking about children's books and how um, kind of brilliant they are. And I thought, it's so simple, though. You know, it's one of those things where you're like, I could do that. You write a children's book. I could yeah. write it. Come on. But it's almost like uh, I listen to songs sometimes, uh-huh. and I say that. I'm like, I could, I could write that. I could write that. Yeah. That's not that brilliant or whatever. Some uh-huh. are. Some are like humble. Like, oh, I could not never do that. But then you try, and it's like, nah, no. Nah. Yeah. I can't. I'm not. There's, there's something brilliant about coming up with the story of the tortoise and the hare or whatever. Would you Is illustrate? You would illustrate your own children's book. Poorly. Yes, <laughs> and I would. Naturally, yeah. I, well, yeah, well. Apologies for my nasally voice today. I had, uh, I, I'm, I'm back in the pool. Back in the pool. And He's it, all dried like out. It's dri- dried me up. It yeah, so you were just saying. sick or something. You were just saying you're training for a. Uh, yep. Triathlon. This is the. Training the tra- for a triathlon. This is, I missed the trend. Everybody's doing triathlons this yeah, summer. All the companions. Get on board, dude. You're yeah. always about two years behind. I know. I won't do it. Can't run. You're, you're, can't run on this ankle. Not happening. Oh, really? Yeah. But you bike just fine? Yeah. The ankle? Ankle's good, but... You're doing big bike rides. Yeah, well, it's a car trail We'll train summer. together a little bit, because I got to bike some of that. I, I'm trying to work on the swimming, and I'm the worst at the swimming. Really? Yeah. I would think you're a good swimmer. No, I've run a lot, and... I mean, I can float. You it's webbed, not doggy You got doggy webbed paddle. feet. Doesn't somebody have kind of webbed... Who? Somebody? We no. know. You remember Waterworld? <laughs> Yeah, did you ever see that with Kevin Costner? Yeah, I saw that, and I remember being like, "What am I doing watching this?" <laughs> really? I thought it was ingenious. This idea of the polar ice caps melt, and you're of stuck gills? on a human oh, beings. Oh yeah, they had gills. evolved gills. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Well, I'm drinking Basil Hayden's uh, because I just ran into a group of guys, one of whom I just examined uh, for his oral comprehensives, and it's nice to have a toast with. Yeah, soon to be Father Miguel Mendoza, who just did a great job. Good for you, buddy. At and the end of your STB um, tests, you uh, um, you have to do a, a STB stands for the Baccalaureate in Sacred Theology. This is the Roman degree they get, and um, you have to go before a panel of three professors, and you're given a question, and then we ask a number of they, they prepare a question, speak for ten minutes, and then we ask questions. And it's very interesting to see which professors are there. And uh, one of our colleagues. It lived in Rome for 27 years, and he is very Roman. And the way he was examining the guys, I had a little PTSD. I was like, I feel like I'm back in Rome oh, because man. they basically do this. And this is this is the the Roman way. They ask you questions. So you always feel like you're failing in an oral exam because we're looking for holes, right? And that's intentional? You're yeah. doing the same thing? Uh, yeah, kind of. Okay. Yeah, I think that's because you only because it's short. You don't have a lot of time. Yeah, they're they're masters of theology. You're seeing if they've mastered it, right? So you're not actually developing things. You're they're saying, well, you're just you're looking for all the holes. Wow. And then certain professors will just take it to the extreme and ask you questions that you just literally can't answer. 
Oh, no. Well, no, not because you don't know, but because of the way they're asking the question. Yeah. It's just like, get in my brain, you know, basically. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm What so am I thinking right now? And then, uh, so they just destroy. Now, and do they this, help you if the guy is sort of like, I don't understand the question? Could you it depends on the professor. Rephrase the question? Yeah. So I just asked Miguel, I said, did you feel like we beat you up? And he's like, no, you guys were helping me to, oh, when I would get stuck, which is what good professors did Because that do, just doesn't seem fair. Like, guess right. what I'm thinking? Right. It's terrible. And they, and the more kind of they want to torture a guy, they just let it sit. <laughs> like the awkward silence. So they just sit and let you feel, just watch you scramble. Oh, it's no. so painful. I do feel like, yeah, they, it's like you corner. Yeah. You corner a guy. Yeah. And you put the pressure on and see if they panic. Oh, man. And there is this sweet registrar uh, named Denise Siri who works here. And she's praying the rosary in the corner for the guys. Oh, and nice. she, her maternal heart is just like, oh. this, you can't do this. To this. She's, <laughs> she's like, I want to just cry out and like give him a big hug. And uh, so. And she's like an, an observer of the Yeah, exam. she has to be observing. Oh, oh Denise, it's... you're sweet. That's got to give some encouragement and peace to the guys too. I told him, I said, you got Denise, you got Mary over there in the corner praying for you as you're being examined yeah. by the Sanhedrin. Oh, that's here. way, you know, like what if you had the rock in the yeah, corner? Yeah. And he's like staring you down. Doing Don't mess this up. You got Denise. Yeah. So uh, the guys are doing well, finishing up here. Um, and uh, yeah, coming to the end. So congrats to our guys finishing their uh, comprehensive exams. Theses are all done and uh, we're coming to the end. We got finals next week and boys are done. Wow. But then ordination season begins. So we got a closing banquet tonight and then... When I yeah, I'll give my exams next week, Wednesday, next Thursday. Week, yeah. mm-hmm. Here we go. Yep, I have thirty five more oral exams to do. Wow. No, no, no. We got Greek, so no oral exam and Luke Acts is gonna be written as well. Okay, you're doing written. It's a lot to grade, but it's a toss up. Yeah. Just because I feel like the oral exam puts a guy on the spot and they might not do as well. Because they might just be nervous, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. then they blank. On the other hand, uh, the written exams, I have to spend the next two weeks re- grading those and I reading know, them and everything. I know. No offense, guys. I love your work. Right. It's brilliant, and I learn a lot from it. Except if you have terrible handwriting like me, then it makes yeah. it all the worse. Just to, trash it. Just trash it. Right, Some right in the this. shredder. Right right into the shredder. All right. Uh, a couple questions for you today to start us off. I uh, know the answers to these questions. I know. I just we know each other very well after all these years together. Um, is this but I'm going to ask exam? you anyways. This is an exam. <laughs> oh. I'm looking for holes. When you listen to music, do you listen to lyrics or music? Like the actual I, right, right, rhythms right, right. and melody. I, I think I get. I I'm a music guy. Okay. I I like the storytelling, and I appreciate a good lyric but i don't i think immediately i just pay attention to the music first okay good that is not the answer i thought you would give i thought you would say um i defy as a punk i defy all categories and you cannot oh, categorize me. okay so that was okay. good you answered no, the question. i'm kind of a i'm kind of a sucker for music i'm the same way i naturally listen to music, and i just think like talking to friends about that i think that you, you kind of people gravitate towards the lyrics right away and i'll listen to songs that people and be like did you hear that or some are like they're like it's so offensive or so dark and you're like oh really yeah you know <laughs> uh. like there's this song by lord huron um i lied have you heard this song no oh it's amazing it's beautiful all right I'll and i love the the melody and the oh it's just but it's a really sad song oh 
And uh, I was talking to our friend Andrea, and uh, she was like, it is such a depressing... I was like, I've never listened to the words before. And uh, so I had to consciously listen to the, the words. So I feel like the, the dance music, the EDM stuff, is really... It has a lot of dark lyrics. Remember that, um, what is it, Mike Posner song? Yeah. I took a pill in Ibiza. Ibiza. <laughs> Hugely popular. Yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. And it's fun to dance to. Yeah. So it's like, it's a great beat. should I be crying while I'm dancing? <laughs> exactly. All right. La- the last of your comprehensive exam questions. Um, were you a Dave Matthews fan in the late 90s? I sure was. Okay. In fact, I saw him last summer. Oh, you did? Okay. And that was the first live uh, concert I'd seen him in. Okay. I love, yeah, I liked his music a lot. Yeah. I know yep. he's still he's still. I playing, was a fan. But like when we were in high school, that was like, they were like, I think at their peak and it was just. Yeah. Any I mean, I liked the the trendy stuff too. I liked the punk. I liked the um, some of the ed, more edgy stuff. But I also liked Dave and Counting Crows, and you know, felt I was as trendy as anybody. I okay, guess. all right. Another another thing I wouldn't have expected you to say that. Though, Chronic you know? two thousand. The Chronic, okay. Showed up at the Super Bowl. That's right. Yeah, there's that's a, a different there, sound. Well, though, the Super Bowl. That's funny you say that because. Um, anybody who liked the Super Bowl halftime show was probably born between the years 1977 and 1984 yeah. because we were all in high school around the same time, and that's when all that was going on. So Yeah, my parents are like, I didn't know what was happening. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm so, singing along. So any like, kind of uh, the last of the Gen, Z, uh, Gen X and the early millennials, um, this podcast, you're going to, at least the first part, you'll, you'll probably resonate with the rest of you. I'm sorry, but... I've had a Dave Matthews song stuck in my head for the last couple of weeks. All right. Do you know the song Seek Up? Oh, boy. Now, now you know. I show my ignorance. What what album? How uh, old is that? It's old. Uh, you know, he did all those live. See? Here, here, here you go. I don't know the lyrics. Yeah. I would recognize the tune. I could probably sing along if I heard it. But So the reason it got stuck in my head uh, was because um, Easter Sunday morning, the uh, reading was from Colossians chapter 3. And uh, it's a beautiful reading. And it was one that, you know, when you get ordained, we get these guys coming up on ordination and they pick phrases for their holy cards and kind of there's just like certain scripture things that verses that really kind of they're there, they arise in your heart, whether in seminary, and they just kind of become thematic throughout your priesthood. And this was one of them for me. And so I was just taken back to that and have kind of been in it uh, the last few weeks. So this is uh, Colossians 3, verses 1 to 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Mm-hmm. You've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So seek up. Seek up. Mm. Uh, that was kind of the the word, so to speak, on Easter Sunday morning. And then I noticed that I um, we were praying daytime prayer through the octave and it was the same thing every day. It was right from this verse, Mm. just saying, seek up, seek up, seek up. That's part of the resurrected life. And, uh, so then I got this Dave Matthews song stuck in my head, seek up, right? Are you into that? Um, our lives are hidden with, with God in Christ. I really, that's the piece of that, that verse that I'm real into. And I don't know if it was Goronsky or book who had at some point when I was, um, along the road, along life's road at some point, they had pointed that out to me and it was really profound. I was like, I don't, when I was kind of struggling to understand myself and to make um, right judgments about myself, am I doing well? Am I not? How do I evaluate myself? 
and maybe in seminary, whatever it was, um, that that line, our lives are hidden with God in Christ, was really important to me. Of like, I don't, I don't exactly know what's going on, or if I'm, you know, um, doing doing all the right stuff. Yeah, and that even ties into our last conversation about, um, you know, trusting that God's got the whole world in His hands, as mm-hmm. we thought, as we mm-hmm. were saying last last week. Um, that hiddenness is proper to the Christian life, and what I'm interested today in is how that verse comes right after this whole seek up. Mm-hmm. So seeking up transcendence, kind of looking to heaven, to the resurrection, the logical consequence of that is hiddenness. Mm. For your life is hidden in Christ. You have died and your life is hidden. So there's something about the resurrection and hiddenness and seeking up, and that's kind of what we're going to riff right. on here a little bit today. But back Is to it di- because your ambitions are toward heaven in this kind of invisible world well uh, let's see let's see where we go let's see where we go this so uh the dave matthews lyrics i printed them off here Uh, i'll pass it over to you in a second here but um again um like that lord huron song i was referencing earlier uh this is a dark song yeah and i had never listened to a lot of his lyrics are yeah yeah the 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 chorus seek up um seek up blah blah blah, and I'll, i'll read it here in a second but it the the verses are it's it's really um Dark in the sense that he's reflecting on the kind of the futility of life. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking of like Ecclesiastics of just like Ecclesiastes of like everything is futile. Yeah. Know? Vanity uh, of vanities. Yeah. Everything is vanity. So he starts the song by saying, oh, life, it seems a struggle between what we see and what we do. I'm not going to change my ways just to please you or appease you. Um, singing about like all of this, just the kind of the difficulties and the str- frustrations of contingent human life you know and uh what i like about the song is that that's real like human life is not clean it's not easy it's Mm. not simple it's difficult and so there's all this comparison and a lot of the song is reflecting on like kind of just like materialism and the way that we look for things in this life to satisfy us so one of the verses look at me in my fancy car and my bank account oh how i wish i could take it all down to my grave God knows I'd save and save. Man, take a look again, take a look again. Things you have collected, well, in the end, it all piles up so tall to one big nothing, one big nothing at all. Yeah, okay, and I remember the song, sure. If I finish this Basil Hayden's, I'll probably start singing it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, do it. Um, But then to the verse, or to the chorus here, read that for us. This is is his solution and why he says you got to seek up, and this is the Dave Matthews. Seek up an emotion. There you go. Uh, you seek up an emotion, and your cup is overflowing. You seek up an emotion. Sometimes your well is dry. You're looking for a monster, for him to fight your wars for you. But when he finds his way to you, the devil's not going, ha ha, ha ha. Yeah. Ha ha. <laughs> I know. So when you read it, you're like, well, what the hell does that mean? And I, I have no idea, frankly. So wait a minute. So he, he sought for... Um, to please people and to get attention right. and to do things that people were impressed by. And then he found that that's um, unsatisfying and not him, right? Or not worth seeking. Exactly. Then he sought for all the, the money and stuff. And is this like following? Did he, what, did he write it after the Ecclesiastes? I don't A know. A lot of it is, does follow this kind of yeah. path. Um, so what and now he's saying, um, that you should go for emotion? So that's the question, is the the chorus is the response, I think. 
and uh, I, I'm just curious what you think. Like, what is his answer to the to the Ecclesiastes question? Which obviously, the gospel is going to have something very different to say. Um, hmm. For me, yeah, yeah. So he he seeks for an emotion, and then it's great. His cup is overflowing, and then he seeks for an emotion, and then the well is dry. So it's up and down. You can't find it. You can't force it. And then I don't know exactly what the monster is to fight your wars for you. Um, and then I don't exactly understand the last line. I, but yeah. you find him and it's disappointing because the devil's laughing at you. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's probably a lot of acid involved in the writing of this song, <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. Uh, if you ever heard Dave uh, do an interview, you're like, okay, this guy's kind of, uh, yeah, he's... He's done some crazy stuff. So do stuff. you think he he's, is saying ultimately you um, – he's got another song that's Eat, Drink, and Be Merry for right. Tomorrow You Die. Right. And it feels kind of like that of like this is the thing worth looking for, but it too will disappoint you. Right. So, yeah, I think – yeah, that's a tripping – or that's um, not tripping billies. That's um, – uh, yeah, tripping billies. Yeah. Eat, drink, and, we, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Um, so there's something about just like – well, it's very emotional. Like he's saying, you gotta you gotta move beyond materialism and the futility of life just by having good, good vibes, as we'd call mm-hmm. it now. Just positive vibes and just good feels and just be together and just don't worry about all this other stuff and just have the good emotion. Seek up an emotion and your cup is overflowing. Yeah. You know? And so there's kind of a horizontal way of thinking about dealing with this, you know. Which is going to be very different than how a Christian will approach it. And obviously, yeah. we'll, like mundane, right? It's kind of find it on earth because find it on all, earth. This is all you get, and it's the best. Right. I guess you know you you hear people talk about it, and I do think there's something wise about it. If you didn't have something heavenly, then the best thing is yeah to try to find good times and then hold on to those, remember those, enjoy those while the rest of life is difficult too right i know so it so, makes sense to me uh, if there weren't grace ecclesiastes right it's like you know pre grace right what, what if life without god and so the good in it the good in ecclesiastes the reason we we read it and we believe it's you know sacred scripture inspired is because i think we have to let ourselves feel that futility of life of just like Things do not correspond and fulfill the desires of my heart. Like the, the things of this life, the fancy cars, the bank accounts, the relationships, trying to kind of appease you or please you. I mean, all of the things he's singing about, like, I think it's really good. And I like the, I like the honesty and the vulnerability of that, of like, yeah, this doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. This isn't enough. So I think the question he poses in the song like the question that's posed in Ecclesiastes is good. I think the answer is wrong, though. I, I think it's insufficient. But I, but when I was listening to Dave a lot in high school, this is kind of what I was doing. Mm. It was just like find the next drugs, find the right people, find whatever is going to just help you to just kind of move beyond the 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 kind of frustration of human life. Just the yeah, survive, survive. Find that monster who will fight your battles for exactly. you. Exactly. Like, yeah. What is that? Is it the drugs? Is it the romance? Is it the escape? Is it the wild adventure for me? Right. So going back then to the question of seeking up from a Christian perspective, what does that look like? So Paul lays that out for us, like seek the things that are above. 
And that reminded me of uh, a great kind of Ignatian principle. Uh, so I got St. Ignatius here. I got a little Balthazar for you. Nice. Um, where he, there's this line, de arriba. Yeah. Right? At the end of the exercises. So what I'm holding in my hand is the spiritual exercise of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Father Mike is a son of St. Ignatius, trained by Jesuits. Uh, and then through Father Goronsky especially, we uh, made these spiritual exercises, the, the long retreat and seminary, and then we'd, we've done this every year. I'm going to do it in, in two weeks. Um, and and Cornelius Michael Buckley. Cornelius I Michael Buckley. I got to give a nod. He, he walked me through. He was right. my director every day. Great man. Father Cornelius Michael Buckley. He was my director too, and he's probably like 140 years old now. He's still yeah, at least. This guy's unbelievable. He uh, he was like 85, and he was still doing the Jesuits. They they help out all over the world. Um, he's a Jesuit in California, but he would go up to Alaska and get on one of those prop jets, and then some <laughs> Eskimo woman would pick him up on a snowmobile for Easter for the Triduum. And drive him out to some village. Really? In northern Alaska. I've never heard that. He was doing this in like... delightful. I'm not surprised. In his 80s. Wow. He was doing this. I know. This guy is... I don't know. Spring's eternal. He's incredible. got one of them young souls. Oh, man. And uh, so, yeah, he was our director. Uh, But the spiritual exercise of St. Ignatius um, end with um, this last contemplation, which is... um, a very powerful one, but a, a bit difficult to understand. It's called the contemplation to attain the love of God. Mm. So at this point, you have so there's there's four weeks of the exercises. So it, it's not strictly a week, seven days, like, but there's four different parts, so to speak. The first week, you start in gratitude and creation, but you meditate on hell and on sin, and then you move into the incarnation and the life of Christ in the second week, and you meditate on on the life of Jesus. And the third week is really. Um, Holy Week, Good Friday, so the Passion, uh, the Cross, and the Death of Christ. And then the fourth week, the last week, is the Resurrection. And at the end of the Resurrection, Ascension, Pentecost, um, you you close the retreat with this contemplation to attain the love of God. Mm. So are you familiar with it? Do you have any, could you explain anything on well, that? Well, no, my mind is a little distracted because I'm remembering a retreat we make in high school at the Jesuit high school that's called Kairos. And it has the four days. It's a four-day retreat, but it has those four parts mm. of the Ignatian thing. And then um, the fourth, once you're in the resurrection and to attain the love of God, um, there's this line, live the fourth. Live the fourth. Live the fourth. And we'll still use that for alumni. You know, If you're talking to your friends that graduated Regis, you say live the fourth. And it's a reminder to whatever. Try to glorify God. It's more like gimmicky because I'm not sure everybody's got that Live ambition. Live the fourth. Living yeah, the fourth. That's what we're doing. To attain the love of God. No, you'll have to. You'll have to show me again. Um, it's interesting to me to hear the word attain, as if you can get it, you know, or work for it. Right. Contemplation to attain the love of God. So the, the, this is the final exercise. Um, in the prelude, he this is very Ignatius. He Ignatian. He asks that we pray for desires. So you ask for the desire, and this is what he says: "This is this is to ask for what I desire. Here will be to ask for an intimate knowledge of the many blessings received, that filled with gratitude for all, I may in all things love and serve divine the divine Majesty." So, contemplation to attain the love of God is really beginning with I desire not just intimate knowledge of Christ, but um, that that knowledge would be transformed into love of God. Mm. 
and that all in all things to love and serve the divine majesty. It's very Ignatian. He's a Spanish warrior and just kind of, you know, the majesty yeah. of yeah, God. the king. So I think to attain the love of God is not to, to do that. Uh, it's, it's something to receive at the end. We've mm. gone through these exercises. We've gone through the, to live in the fourth day really means to just now we receive and ask for a transformation. We've come to know Christ, and now we want that to be elevated and transformed into love, mm-hmm. which for him is always the form of service. And if you can do something, it's to um, dispose yourself to reception, mm-hmm. you know, kind of open yourself, prepare yourself for reception of that love of God, that, gr- that grace of the gift, um, and even the desire. But, yeah, moving toward action. Right. I will ponder with great affection how much God, our Lord, has done for me. And now I ask what I ought to offer the divine majesty, that is, all I possess and myself with it. Mm. So now I'm giving everything over for the sake of, of service, for the sake of love of God, but then for the love of others. And then he gives the famous sushi pay mm-hmm. prayer, which you can sing if you'd like, you know. No. St. Louis Take Jesus. Lord, receive. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, my entire will, all that I have and possess. Thou hast given all to me. To thee, O Lord, I return it. All is thine. Dispose of it wholly according to thy will. Give me thy will and thy grace, for this is sufficient for me. So the idea of disposing everything now for God, that we end the retreat by saying, um, it's time to give everything over now. Mm. Like, it's not my life, and this doesn't afford things for me. Uh, Father Brian had a great line uh, this week at the convocation. All the priests were together, and he said, sometimes it feels like we we don't talk about the good news. We talk about the good advice of Jesus. Yeah. Nice little Larkin yeah. pithy hey, say. Yeah. Clever, yeah. clever Larkin. Clever Larkin. Uh, but it is sometimes we treat we do treat the gospel like it's this is this is advice for good Christian living. Mm-hmm. You know, this will kind of improve my life and help me kind of be a better person and be really nice. And when I'm at Whole Foods, you know, buying my quinoa or whatever I'm doing. But this is very different. This is disposing everything now. Everything has been given. And uh the last point of the of the contemplation to the love of God as he says now now this is to consider all blessings and gifts as descending from above de arriba oh yeah thus my limited power comes from the supreme and infinite power above so too justice goodness and mercy descend from above as the rays of light descend from the sun and as the waters flow from their fountains that's oh, how he yeah. ends the, that's how he ends the retreat from above from um, above. At the risk of being real cheesy, even more cheesy than I have been, um, do you remember that Jesus Christ Superstar song? I All do. good gifts around us <laughs> are sent from heaven above. Nice. That was way off, yeah. melody-wise. but Well, I don't know. It's so it could have been spot are, on. Yeah, check yeah. it out. Check yeah. it out. The music is lame, but the lyrics are fun. So all blessings and gifts are descending from above. My limited power comes from the supreme and infinite power above. Uh, justice, goodness, mercy descend mm. from above. So what he's doing here is he's saying, de arriba, from above. So we're looking, so when we seek up, we're looking to the place where things descend. The meaningfulness of human existence descends from above. It doesn't arise from within, and it can't be sorted out kind of from the things that are around us. Mm. And I think this is the response to Ecclesiastes and to 
Dave Matthews, which is Dave's looking for all these things, justice, goodness, mercy. He's looking for meaningfulness, right, in reality. And it just, you can't find it. Mm. You can't fix yourself. You can't fix your friends. You can't fix life. You can't set up the perfect circumstances in order to say, this is it. This is going to be, now I've arrived. Now life is going to be Edenic and paradisal. That, that just doesn't happen. It only happens by completely turning to above and realizing that all good things descend from above. All blessings and all gifts. It Which, makes me think of um, one of my favorite scriptural passages is Jesus saying, don't worry about anything. Um, contemplate the, or look at the flower of the field, and how God provides. And I often think of that in, a, in um, concert with Jesus talking about we are part of the vine, the vine and that our life is to bear fruit. Our spiritual life is to bear fruit in the world. He just says, remain in me and you will bear much fruit and he'll provide. So this image of the flower in the field is like, how does it grow? It doesn't fix itself. It can't move to the right place. It can't do, it just receives the sun and receives the water from above and it just grows. And there's something of the life of grace. That's just, if you open yourself to receive these things from above, then, um, here you go. It's going to bear fruit. It's going to form you. It's going to make your soul grow. And, um, and that providence is the only way, not just straining and worrying. And, you know, Jesus says, don't worry. Do you have any plants in your room? I do. My sister Hannah just gave me a what, seedling. What, what, what do you call that little one? I don't know. A little zucchini plant. You're asking the wrong guy. In I, a cup, you know, that you okay. make them in a cup. Okay. And so I do have that plant in my room right now. Nice. I asked that because I have nothing green, and I was given a uh, a plant, um, and I don't have a lot of natural light in my room. Um, but it was, but I had to move it to the spot where the light does kind of come in. Yeah. Regularly, and or it's it, going to wither. And it was withering. I almost killed it many times. But if you just place it in the right spot and occasionally give it water, it grows really yeah. well. Yeah. But if it's not getting sunlight and if it's not getting and you're not watering it, then it is very quickly going to die. This is like um, this is very complex, you know, botany here for people. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're at a high level here yeah, you know, in terms of yeah, you really, yeah, you've, you've developed a green. Thumb. If you've lost me, I, I understand this is this is high level stuff. But um, it just shows how that is the image for that Ignatius is trying to kind of point us to of just like the sunlight and the water will come, but you have to dispose yourself rightly. And that's the whole sushi pay prayer is just like dispose, just, but you have to kind of, you have to set your heart up to receive the things from above. So justice, goodness, mercy, all these, all blessings, all gifts descend from above, just like sunlight uh, for a plant. But it's really about, are you postured in the right place and are you open to receive it? Because if you're sitting in darkness and your heart is closed to these things, then it's, then things will not be received, and that's kind of the the tragedy behind um, behind the Dave Matthews experience is just like um, searching constantly, constantly. Where is this? But but if the heart is not open to to something above, to the transcendent, uh, then you're seeking up. But what are you seeking up into? Like yeah, you're not, I was going to ask, like why why does he say seek up? Because it sounds like he's seeking down. Exactly. Exactly. So I, you know, it, that's that's the question: is what is he seeking up? I don't know. So, but he's calling on his soul, 
right. I mean, he, he kind of knows right. he, he can't find it. Yeah, and that's why it's a it's a good song and it's truthful and it's worth listening to and thinking about. So this is uh, Von Balthazar's this great um, anthology on the spiritual exercises which I use on my retreats and the love. And this is just a point that he makes on it. So De Arriba, all things emanate from God. This is Balthazar. The last step of the contemplation to attain the love of God is perhaps the most difficult. At least it is the most unexpected in Christian terms. In meditation, we are to learn to see the existence of the world and its values as something emanating from the origin. As raised, and he quotes, as rays descend from the sun and water from the fountain. We could perhaps think of the, this uh, in terms of ways that things are emanating, so to speak. And he says it's, it's not a case of a horizontal emanation of things, but of a vertical emanation from God. So emanation is a tricky term, and we won't go into this for too long, but it, it, we think of, so there's this group in the first and second century called the Neoplatonists, and they basically, working out of Plato, Plato had a very much so seeking up, right? Mm-hmm. Aristotle yeah. was different, but Plato was much just Looking the forms. For the forms. Yeah. Everything is up there. You just got to kind of chat back in. But the Platonists had the sense of things were emanating down, right? There's this kind of level from the one, you know, all the way down. And, and so uh, the things on on earth share something of the qualities of the best things that are up. Exactly. But they only share it in part because it's like a, you know, it's a, what you use the image of steps and you lose a little bit of the river uh, in the steps and until we get just a little taste, little bits in among the, in, in the world. And so you, the best thing to, to use to describe this is something like the virtues, the right. justice and right. the, um, the deference and the, the goodness of a person is, um, yeah, we, we share it in, in part. Right. And so the emanation theory that things are coming from above the neoplatonic structure of kind of reality there's there's real truth in it there's also limitation the limitation being that down here is just kind of shadows and darkness and we're kind of getting the sprinkles from above you think of like a mountain stream and it's just kind of you get a little bit of the water down at the bottom here um and that's where the reality really is up Mm -hmm. there and that's that's kind of true uh in the sense of god but the Platonists are a- operating out of a, they don't have a metaphysical distinction between the creator and creation. It's just kind of all kind of flowing, you know, yeah. from above. So we can say there's truth in it, um, but also there's limitations. What Christ reveals is that he, he does not, he comes from above, he descends from God. He, he, there's this great impasse between the creator and creation, and he transcends it in his incarnation, and he comes among us, and he opens up for us resurrected life. So there really is grace, and this the fountain is Christ. It's there. So it's not a Neoplatonic kind of structure of things kind of emanating from above, but it is also from above because well, yeah, Christ leaves. Where is he now? Yeah. He's above. Right. Right hand of the Father. At the right hand of the Father. So we're looking for Christ uh, as the source of this, as the emanation, so to speak, coming down, to use that language from the ancient world. Um, but it's not horizontally to be found. And that's just the limitations of our, uh, of Dave or whoever is just kind of in the world. Mm. Yeah, and I guess the the hiddenness, or maybe the a lot of a lot of the Christian life comes down to uh, faith and trust, and an openness to something. Like you're staking your happiness, your joy, your meaning on something that's invisible, and 
that's tough. That's really, I think, a gamble. It's, I'm not going to, I'm already going to despair of finding things on this side. So I'm not going to expend myself looking for those in um, the things that I'm looking for in this kind of horizontal world. But looking up, will I really receive this stuff? That's the kind of gamble. Right. You know, Um, will God provide or are these nice ideas? And there's a, you know, we've been doing this long enough to, um, in terms of just like trying to live for Christ and, and to be his disciples that we've seen friends despair of this. And we've had our own moments of despair of just, you feel like there's not horizontal change. Christianity has not built the perfect world. Mm. In fact, has it even made a better world? Mm. Um, you know, right now, all the, this leak on Roe versus Wade and the, you know, reversal of that and just the, the absolute violence that is going to ensue from this. Where is that coming from? Well, a lot of it is this despair that the Christian claim was insufficient to perfect the world. It's, it hasn't happened. And it's kind of a denial of what you were saying earlier about just the hiddenness of this, that when you start to seek up, you lose measure. You lose an ability to kind of control everything. It just it doesn't, because if it emanates from above, then I'm not the source of justice. I don't know how to do that, but I can receive justice. I can receive goodness. I can receive mercy. So you think about your, the situations we all find ourselves in that feel impossible the circumstances that just frustrate our life and that, quote, strip us of our happiness. If you are really to turn to Christ in that, then you can't control that. And you can't use that mm. to, quote, unquote, build the perfect world. And I think I think that just the kind of postmodern secular mentality is very anti-Christian in the sense that it has despaired that the Christian life has, has had no effect horizontally. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't want... Uh... It's always dangerous to use um, abortion as a an example, just because it's such a violent reality and terrible, terrible thing. But you you think, well, someone feels like this child is interrupting their life, their plans, their search for happiness, and the way that they've laid it out in their life. This is going to interrupt my career. This is going to interrupt my relationships. This is going to interrupt my day to day freedom and um, having a child. And so I, I, I need to destroy this life for my sake, for the sake of what I imagine my happiness will come from. And if you say, no, I'm going to trust and receive this life as a gift from God and, um, and trust that God will provide for me and enter into the mystery of, I don't know the plan for my own happiness. But there is a plan that um, resides in God's providence, and God will provide. And so this, um, this conception of a child, this child is a gift that if I receive it, it's an act of faith in a way, um, stepping into the invisible and looking up into something greater. Can I receive this? And, um, but you're abandoning this plan, this, this sort of clear map of I know what my happiness will look like. And um, I think that's in part why this violent reaction comes from um, a place of, yeah, a place of despair, a place that doesn't trust that God can provide the best. Yeah. 
And again, like you said, very sensitive uh, issue, but from the perspective of we speak as priests on this, um, we don't really see this as a political issue and we need to just kind of have the best strategy to win. We see this because we, we talk with many, many people and some of them, uh, and I, I'll just, I'll never forget these conversations over the last 11 years of priesthood of like people who 20, 30, 40, 50, 50 years ago um, had an abortion or their girlfriend or their their wife or their husband or boyfriend had a, had an abortion or excuse me participated in an abortion and they say they'll they're just so devastated still yeah. they think about it every day it's i mean it's i had somebody terrible, tell me that recently tra- for 35 traumatic. years for 35 years i've thought about this every day mm-hmm. uh, and i and, and you want to give them a word of hope and a word of of consolation and that word of mercy you want to be you want that to descend into their heart but when you see that the pain of this, it, you just you understand just how this is so destructive, not just to the child, but to any person mm-hmm. who participates in it. And it's just that's why we just are, we say this is just this, it's impossible to legalize this. It's impossible to condone this. Um, yeah. And so those even I don't want to make it sound like an act that is necessarily religious because on a human level, right. this is tr- terribly traumatic, and it's destroys lives it destroys the lives of those who participate in abortion and like you're saying and um and that's just that's just a reality from taking a life that's not um it doesn't come from there's this 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 false narrative that that comes from people making you feel guilty about it no it's just it will haunt you um maybe something like taking a life in war where you feel desperate you're on the ropes if if i don't do something, then it's then I'm going to suffer, or this is going to kill me, and people will just live with that through their life, and there's no there's no avoiding that. It doesn't just come from people making you feel guilty and making you feel bad. It's a it's an it's a terrible act, and yeah. so I just say that because on the human level, the reason that we want to get into the politic and um, try to to make this illegal is out of um, respect for and care for people, that this is for the good of society and this is for the good of people. And it's not trying to impose our religion on everybody. It's just recognizing the wisdom and seeing the, the fallout and consequences and saying we don't want people to suffer. This is an act of charity for us to, um, to advocate on the, in the political sphere. And, and then there's this question of like, yeah, how do, what, what are the priorities? And we see this openness to grace and this other heavenly life as really the best. And, um, and that, that's available to everybody. And we want to kind of be a, uh, a reminder, um, a light in that kind of darkness of the mundane despair. Yeah, well said. So I think as we um, possibly move into kind of a post-Roe versus Wade world what does a christian do well it just ties in and just in soma as the times it's kind of summarized here we have to we have to witness more deeply to the the boldness um of seeking up and living a hidden life in christ i mean these words if you have been raised with christ seek the things that are above which means as you were saying trusting that god will provide that things will descend uh, that goodness, justice, 
things will clarify, that I will not always feel like this, that I will not always be oppressed by these circumstances, that things will not feel like the hell that Dave Matthews is describing uh, and the futility of things, that it's not just a waste. It's not just um, endless suffering, you know, uh, and, and, and kind of unfulfilled desire, but, but you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And so if we're going to really be pro-life, then we have to be uh, pro-death in the sense of dying in Christ and mm-hmm. allowing ourselves to be hidden in him. And the only way we'll ever have the strength to do that is by turning our hearts upward and allowing the, that, that transcendent gaze to um, become an, a new openness uh, and a new avenue towards this constantly emanating divine love, which is tr- seeking to permeate the world and, and truly transform it, albeit in a very hidden way. That's beautiful, man. It's a good reminder for me. I think in Easter and kind of um, dr- fatigued by the, um, I don't know, just the busyness of life, it's uh, always um, welcome, that message of look up, remember that there, are, you know, that there is love, that there is God's love, and that it's the best thing. And the thing most worthy of our uh, life and our interest, and we used to say, in, in prayer, we just we dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God. And it's something like the sushi pay. You know? Go put the everybody. You go get that sushi pay prayer, and you put it in your car, or you put it on your mirror, and um, pray that. Pray that daily. It's so beautiful. I don't think he wrote, did he write that, or did he just love that prayer and promote it? Uh, that's a good question. I think he did write. I think it's somewhere in the in the exercises. But um, anyways, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for this topic. Yeah, thank you. Are you we'll, are you we'll wrap her up here. Leading the the exercise or are you making the exercise? Making the exercises, oh, yeah. Okay. So I'll have a director, but I'll just be hiding out in a cabin, uh, down by Telluride. Thanks to the Golders who I uh, shouted shouted out recently. But uh all right, right on. All right, shout outs. I got a shout out. Danielle and Matt Rudolph. Yeah. Who you know? Girl, I love them. I was with them recently and um their their son their kids are great all three of them but uh, their son Gabe I've never seen anything like this this I want to shout out this kid because it was unbelievable he just walks in he's just like all right name a Disney movie yeah and I was like <laughs> have you seen this before I was like Cinderella and he names the year that it came out whoa no I didn't Aladdin seen that. names in 1995 or whatever and really? then it's like uh, the original Mickey Mouse is like 1935 Disney I, savant he's a Disney savant <laughs> wow it was unbelievable. He didn't get anything wrong. For uh, we drilled him every every Disney movie I could ever. Robin think of. Hood. That's yeah, my favorite. Everything. He just named it. Had wow, the year. Oh, Gabe. So, does Dottie do the same thing? No. Sweet Dottie. Dottie was just bopping around. Those kids are wild too. Yeah, they are. They're bouncing around. I think they probably gave them this, you know, riddle in order to try to tame the kids. Probably. Yeah. Pre- preoccupy them with yeah. something. But Matt and Danielle, always a joy to be with you. Thanks for uh, our time together. And then I have um, a shout out for Quinn Robinson. I think I think he's a seminarian, but Quinn Robinson, I am told, is the whitest man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Super white. Uh, he's got Evan, I, Evan Coop. Dude. I heard this in the rumor mill here at the um, at the seminary. So Quinn Robinson, you're cool. Thanks for listening. All right. Well, thanks for podcasting. Uh, happy Easter. We continue to celebrate the the glories of Easter for 50 days, and uh, we rejoice in the joy of it. So. We will see you uh, next week, uh, catholicstuffpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great Easter, great summer. Seek up. <laughs>